walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, the hardest part of the ring, better known as Kyle, and welcome to the Apron Bump. And uh. Well, I say welcome because uh, you're welcome here, the listener. But you know who was not welcome in Philadelphia here on June 25th, 1995? Do you know who was not welcome there? Uh, The World Wrestling Federation was not welcome there. Boy, (laughs) boy, howdy, did they... Boy, was this a stinker, to say the least. And, uh... To have a stinker of a show in Philly, I don't know if you guys know this. This is kind of a, a an ins- some inside baseball here. There's a little, there's a little peek behind the curtain. But people in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, are kind of assholes. <laughs> They're not assholes. They're just a uh, well. In 1995, and if you're if you're a frequent listener of mine. You've listened to me cover ECW on this same timeline, covering it concurrently with WWF and WCW. So you know the kind of crowd that ECW brings. And it's kind of hilarious to consider that that same crowd is here watching the roadie. Here watching Erwin R. Scheister. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm a, let me start it off with a question here to you, the listener. Do you like Quang? Do you like Viscera? Do you like Feet? Well, if any of those answers are yes, then you're in the right place because King of the Ring 1995 has all of that. <laughs> and a uh, in bulk. In bulk, lots of thing, lots of lots of thing. I just combined all three of those things. Lots of feet, lots of Mabel, lots of Savio Vega. That is a um, that is literally ninety five percent of the show is one of those two th- one of those two things. I'm so good at fucking counting. One of those three things. So, King of the Ring, nineteen ninety five. We're at the Elite Eight. In this iteration of the King of the Ring tournament, only the uh, is it the third the third tournament. I don't know. It's something I could easily Google, but I don't feel like it. But it's very early on in the history of King of the Ring, as we know. Last year, Owen Hart 
won the tournament, became the king of hearts, and went on to challenge Bret Hart in that classic steel cage match at SummerSlam 94. So uh, we can only go up from there, right? <clears throat> as far as new generation goes, this is this rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not Rocky Maivia. He's not here yet. But man, this is just a, this is a uh, I'm looking forward to see how they rebuild after this show, because this was a, this was insane to watch. But I'll just say this for the three companies that I'm reviewing in this Wrestling Wars of the 90s series, that being WWF, WCW and ECW. At this point in the year, we can kind of see WCW and ECW picking up some steam and we even we even hear evidence of that in this show and we'll talk about that but um yeah wwf it's in a uh, it's in a weird place right now they're trying new things though if nothing else this shit this episode isn't just going to be shitting on king of the ring because they are at the end of the day it is a new generation after all and they're trying new things and i applaud them for that but um sometimes you miss the mark but uh this show is a beautiful beautiful train wreck and I was excited to talk about it and excited to be joined by Mr. Fretz of the Fretzelmania podcast. You can listen to his podcast. Once again, that's the Fretzelmania podcast. Every week, you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. I'll put all that info in the description below. Really good podcast. Really, really cool dude. Really entertaining guy. And uh, does a lot of retro stuff as well. So if you like what I do, you should like what he does. And uh, yeah, so go check that out. Let's get to it. WWF, King of the Ring, 1995. With myself and Mr. Fretz from the Fretzelmania podcast. Oh, boy. Well, let's get this. Oh, man. Nectar of the gods there. That's what I needed. I should have. No, that's. When I was watching the show, that's what I needed. That's what I was. Actually, I have uh, my scotch on the other side of the room. I needed for that show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is, um, man. Well, first, I mean, just the, um, just like the era of wrestling that we're in is, um, it's something. I mean, WCW is like approaching Dungeon of Doom era. You have ECWs like kicking off with uh, extreme champion they're like well, i guess they've been kicked off but they're like in the middle of building up their momentum and then you have wwf who is just uh i guess first question were you watching during this time this seems like this would have been like the height of your fandom it would have been actually kind of the start i would have been casually casually watching wrestling on weekends because when you lived in canada in the 90s and you didn't have cable Mm -hmm. wrestling was a little spotty like i would have caught monday night raw on the odd weekend i would just be watching it after like doing chores with uh, my father that's mm -hmm. that's about it yeah it's weird because i'm like i'm going back and trying to like relive that time so i'm watching all the raws and stuff which first of all it was a complete waste of time for this pay-per-view but then you have like superstars and action zone did you ever watch action zone growing up I, do you remember I it? did. I watched Superstars and Action Zone. Like, I think my earliest memory of watching Superstars would have been when uh, someone who's on this show, Papa Shango, cursed the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. There's no Shango on this show, only the, the Supreme Fighting Machine. So 
and that's better, right? I don't know. Papa Shank. <laughs> that's, that's a toss up. Depends on the day. I, th- I think Kama's a uh, a definitive uh, bottom of the totem pole for his gimmicks. But uh, that's just me. That's just me. I've only seen a bit of it. But um, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit in this show. But uh, yeah. So King of the Ring 1995, man. Um, I guess for general thoughts, you got you got a chance to watch the show, right? I did. And just on my uh, morning walk today, I turned on After the Bell with Corey Graves. He did a review of it recently just to jog my memory. And uh, I can go on and on about how I would rebook this show. I mm. actually did on in my archives on my podcast. We'll plug that later. Oh, yeah. And spoiler alert for that one. I booked Owen Hart to repeat. I like that. You have a roster. Yeah, you have a roster here of all these people who either not in the tournament or got eliminated in the first round. I'm gutted we didn't get King Mantar. Just <laughs> what? <laughs> what Mantar, dude, Mantar is such like a, it's almost like a fever dream because he, he debuts without his mask, by the way. He just debuts. He's just this, this dude with weird paint and weird hair or whatever. And then he just starts losing like immediately. Like what, what, what are we doing here with this guy with a, with a mascot helmet? But, um, you said, so you see talking about like rebooking it. Oh, I, I was going to do this later, but I'm gonna go ahead and list off some names that were in the King of the ring tournament. So we have Shawn Michaels, Lex Luger, British bulldog, Owen Hart, Jeff Jarrett, undertaker, you know, of course, we got Mantar, you know, Jacob Blue, so, a bunch of stars is what I'm saying. So and with that in mind, and we'll get to it later, I guess. But just to see what the finals were for this tournament is is it is like the worst pairing of guys. I feel like out of, out of everybody, in my opinion. Absolutely. And it was just the strangest one. I know Vince was trying to put someone new over. I got to give him credit here. I mean, we had Savio Vega was pulling the uh, whole Rocky Balboa thing. Did you know that because they're in Philly, uh, that Rocky Balboa is a thing and they talk about the statue? It's it's like (laughs) it's it's like like Rocky. (laughs) We're we're in Philly, Doc. (laughs) And then a Philly Chiefs stick, but we'll get there. Oh, it's like Rocky fuck. V plus Rocky Two, Adrian's Revenge. <sighs> that fucking cheese steak, man. <laughs> if nobody, if anybody's like listening and hasn't watched the show, and you're like, what, "We're talking about a cheesecake for," you'll you'll understand. But um, and by the way, we, we were DMing, and I was like, "Yeah, I tried watching the show all in one sitting, but I had to tap out." The part I had tapped out on was uh, Bob Backlund, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, but yeah, King of the Ring. First of all, so this is when King of the Ring was uh formatted as a one night tournament, or at least you know they get down to eight and then they do that whole thing uh in one night, which I like. What do what are your thoughts on the one night tournament concept? I like it a lot better. I mean, even with things like Deadly Game, getting it all done in one sitting, you know, other than your qualifying rounds, Mm -hmm. it makes for I think a better overall show it makes you know it, it fills the time because how else were you gonna main event this show <laughs> yeah i mean what you don't think <laughs> sid and tatanka versus diesel and 
Bam Bam Bigelow was a, a pay-per-view main event worthy match. Sid versus Tatanka is a pay-per-view worthy main main event match, but I don't know about the others. <laughs> I would have rather just had Sid go out there and cut a promo for 30 minutes personally. But yeah, so King of the Ring starting off hot. Well, the Peacock version gives us a, a little treat, gives us a Coliseum home video uh, exclusive, I guess. Um, so the whole story here is that Razor Ramon was originally in the tournament, but he went down with injury. So to take his place uh, is going to be determined in this pre-show King of the Ring qualifier match. And we got Savio Vega versus Erwin R. Scheister. Oh, man. This match is pretty much uh, pretty much what you would expect it would be. Nothing nothing special. I mean, it's a pre-show match. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, Savio Vega is out there. The friend of Razor Ramon, of course. Friends in uh, Puerto Rico, according to uh, Razor at the last show. Um, so we got Savio here facing off against IRS. Uh, ultimately, Vega wins with the spinning heel kick. And uh, so Razor's out, but Razor's friend, old Savio here, old Quang, uh, takes his spot. And now Savio Vega is in the King of the Ring tournament. What, what were your thoughts on this little pre-show deal? Well, I knew we were getting the, getting the chance to have King Quang. So that that puts a couple of extra Meltzer stars on it. Of course. Uh, Savio Vega had the SV shaved in his head. Kyle, what would you have shaved in your head? If you had the chance, <laughs> probably uh, <laughs> SV. I don't know. I couldn't think of anything funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It, <laughs> or it could have been something that it was in uh, Doc Hendricks's racist racist Spanish. <laughs> well, don't worry. We're, we'll get to that. Hubcaps. There, there's anyway, a worse on. one. There's. Oh no! 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 And the, the Hardy Boys on door duty here got yes. a big shout out. Uh, unfortunately, earlier today, we got the news that Jeff Hardy's been released. We know nothing. Let's not speculate yeah. and make any jokes because, you know, Jeff Hardy is beloved. But Erwin here, I noticed this in every IRS match, Mike Rotunda match. I'm doing one later this week. Spoiler alert. Hell yeah. He is, drip he is dripping like wrestling Twitter falling into a thirst trap. I see you, Faye Jackson. I see you. <laughs> yeah, why is this dude? He wrestling in a white button up. Can, can, there's nothing more unflattering than that. And like you think he'd learn, or maybe that's what he wants his character to be the sweaty man with suspenders, which some people might like that. And a tie. And he gets choked with it every time. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, but yeah. So, uh, Savio's in the tournament. That match happened. Um, but don't worry, we got lots and lots and lots more Savio Vega to talk about. There, there's no show. If you're a Savio Vega mark and you're listening to this show, this is, this is a show for you because this, this is a Savio Vega show, 1995. Um, the next match. So, really, the match that technically kicks off the pay per view. We got Savio Vega. And he's facing off against Yoko Zuna, a beefy, beefy Yoko. And um, so this is a quarterfinal match. And yes, this match happens maybe 10 minutes after 
the previous match with Savio Vega. So he's right back in it. And not only is he back in it, Savio, you know, he's a little bit tired. He's a little bit beat up by getting beat up by our IRS. But now you throw him back in there to face a 641 pounder and Yokozuna. Um, but hey, nothing says uh, starting off a pay-per-view hot like Yokozuna versus Savio Vega, right? Uh, yeah, we could have had Yokozuna versus Lex Luger opening this show, but that was the the way that Yoko got to the quarterfinals in the first place by countout. So reversing the 1993 SummerSlam decision here, tit mm. for tat, full circle moment, Nate the effing great, take a shot. Tit for tit. And uh, Cornette being the representation of Fuji, is that a rib? Because Fuji's a notorious, notorious river from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got two, we got a USA chant going in the ring for basically two Americans. Never change America, never change. <laughs> and Yokozuna here, he is both instantly gassed, but he can still move as quick as a cat for being such a yeah. large man. He is still quite agile his, his his little bursts that he have has are are super impressive because obviously i mean he's 640 pounds i'm assuming that's a shoot that's what they said on commentary and um so he can only do so much but you know whenever he, his timing's great his selling's great as a, as good as it could be i guess and yeah whenever he does little leg drops and suplexes it all looks great i'm a big yokozuna guy and it looks really safe you know much safer than uh, someone else's leg drop later we see here soon <laughs> oh god but yeah so um and yeah so this match happens it, it's again like you said yokozuna's gassed most of this match as is pretty much any yokozuna match and in this point in his life you know he put little slaps on a nerve hold kind of just chills out for a bit um <laughs> savio has to do that a lot selling rest holds for giant men in this show that that's a theme a running theme that we'll get to more but um so yokozuna like you said he goes for the leg drop but misses and this allows savio to hit his comeback so he's he's fired up savio he hits the spinning heel kick again and this causes owen hart to come out now remember now at this point owen hart and yokozuna are tag team champions yes that's a real thing uh so owen comes out to help his help his partner um, by attacking Razor Ramon, who I don't know if I mentioned, but Razor's out there with Savio. Um, so Owen and, Owen and Razor are going at it on the outside. And this causes Savio to uh, go out and try to help his buddy Razor. And this causes Yoko to follow Savio. So everybody's on the outside tussling. And uh, eventually Yoko goes for some sort of move, some sort of running something. But Savio evades and Yoko goes headfirst into the ring post. Savio gets in the ring, and wouldn't you know it, a count out. Very, uh, that's, that, that's how, that's, how else are you gonna beat Yokozuna, I guess, especially someone like Savio Vega, who's very uh, slight, at least compared to Yokozuna. So um, it's pretty much what you would expect, I guess. But uh, yeah. Yeah, any other thoughts, little nuggets on this one? Uh, it's just a way to keep Yokozuna looking strong. Well, at the same time, you know, putting over this quang uh, shaped particular fellow here. Uh, why does Jim Cornette hate America if he's out there justifying the Japanese flag thing? 
I don't get it. <laughs> is he not? Is he American? I thought he was Canadian. No, if it was if he was Canadian, we'd have a uh, hockey stick and a flag, and maybe oh, with a side yes. of Putin and Timbits. Right. Yes, he'd be out there with a yeah, like you said, a hockey stick wrapped in a Canadian flag. Nobody would ever do that though. That'd be too on the nose. TNA. But yes, go on. <laughs> and, uh, speaking of Achilles' heels, though. Ugh. The next promo was just I, I love Jerry Lawler. I don't care what anyone says. He's he's a treasure, but he's saying that he will be Brett Achilles heel. That's on the nose. Uh yeah, because you know it's a it's a kiss my foot match coming up later in the show. It's King versus Bret Hart. And um yeah, folks, do you get it? Achilles heel. Like like a heel on a foot, but also like a weakness in a particular person. So really good wordplay. Or a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, King's backstage. He's in the locker room. So he's 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 like sitting on a bench, spraying his foot with I guess Lysol or something. And uh he has a sock on, but it has a hole in it, and his toes poking out of it. It's like purple. The socks all dirty. Like I said, he's spraying it with Lysol. And he's he's you know, this is like an interview with Vince, who's on commentary. And uh Vince McMahon has a zinger for him. He goes, Oh man, King, I hear your locker room is is reeking with stench. Commentary was at an all-time low in this show. I don't know if, if you got that impression, but holy fuck. Between him and Doc Hendricks. It needed Art Donovan. Hey, I'll tell you what. It wouldn't have made it worse. It would have at least had some semblance of entertainment. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah. So to sum up, Jerry the King's Lawler's feet are stinky. So <laughs> can't wait for that match coming up. Um, you know, I say that, but it's probably, probably the highlight of the show, in all honesty. But it has Bret Hart in it. So, and King's no slouch, I suppose. But, um, but after that, we're keeping the red hot momentum going in this show with uh, another quarterfinal match. So we got the roadie versus Bob Spark Plug Holly. Not Thurman Plug, Bob Spark Plug Holly. And um, I don't know what it is, but Bob Holly as like a white meat baby face just cracks me up watching it. Like in hindsight, it's it's like. You know, like in the in the WWE like video games, you can like change the entrances of people. Have you seen those clips where people will like give the Big Show Molina's entrance? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I used to do that too. <laughs> Who didn't? But that's that's how I feel watching Bob Holly with his mullet. He's ah, uh, come on, gang, clapping everybody's hands on the way to the ring, raising it. Oh, come on, we're gonna we're gonna really show it to them, everybody. It's like, yeah, I need crotchety Bob. This isn't my Bob Holly that I grew like up with. Like that crotchety Bob right there. Yes, the hardcore truth. I read that book, actually. Actually, I listened to it because I'm a lazy piece of shit, but uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. It is. Um, but yeah, we got the road dog, So who, who at this point is uh, Jeff Jarrett's roadie. So he's actually, so he's going by roadie, but he has a promo before this match, which I believe, unless I, I missed it at some point, I believe this is the first time he refers to himself as Road Dog. It almost seemed like a kind of 
off the cuff thing, but he's like, ah, blah, 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 the road dog, blah, blah, or whatever he said, doesn't matter. But um, it's a kind of a little foreshadowing to his future. But um, I mean, my my main takeaway of this match is uh, it's Michael Hayes on on commentary, aka Doc Hendricks, and uh, he's a uh, he's the heel commentator, right? So that means he has to uh, that means he has to shit on the babyface. And how do you shit? on a uh, a race car driver well you say he doesn't drive very good really got him right you just say something like richard petty sucks and then you get all the nascar <laughs> see that that would have been a little clever but <laughs> doc hendrix is out there is like oh he's a good wrestler but bah, uh, he can't drive very well he's just crashing into walls all over the place y'all fucking michael hayes i can't stand that dude Oh, he'll get way worse. Yeah, it doesn't get better. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. Yeah, he hits the wall. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that hits the wall. <laughs> he hits the wall all the time. That's what I had written down for one of the things on this match. Just, <laughs> it was good. Like These two guys can go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was de- they're definitely some of the more competent workers on this card. Uh, it's a decent match. Nothing really to write home about. Nothing I'm ever going to watch again, probably. But... um. It was fine for what it was. Ultimately, uh, so the roadie, he's laid out on the mat. Uh, Bob Holly goes to the top rope, flies off with a flying nothing. I don't really know what he's going for, but uh, roadie gets his foot up, and uh, Bob Holly goes face first into his foot. Roadie makes the pin and gets the win. He gets the one, two, three, which is, uh, it almost looked like a botch. I don't know if it was a botch or if, Holly was just kicking out at 3.1, like one of those deals, but it, didn't, it seemed like the ref didn't think that was a finish. I didn't think it was a finish either, so who knows? But um, whatever the case may be, Rhodey gets a big win here and moves on to the uh, semifinals, which is, again, with all the talent <laughs> that was in this tournament and that's on in the company at this point, Road Dog in the semifinals of the King of the Ring, is, uh, that's, a sus, that's a sus decision in my opinion. That that is uh, that is quite sus here. Uh, the hair in this match is on point. He got the dreadlocks. He got the glorious Kentucky waterfall. And if we had King Roadie here, mm. I predict <laughs> we could have had an early King of the Road match. Ooh, well, no, this is after Roadie. This is after the King of the Road match. I guess it's a different company, so it means it didn't happen, right? Yes, that's true. You you succeeded somewhere else. Too bad. <laughs> Gonna have the opposite effect here. Yeah, these two would have better matches. I think, spoiler alert, at the next in your house, they have a singles match or a tag team match or something. And uh, I'm going to say this. The way in which Rhodey wins this, I think it's the next show, but it's a future match. Your jaw will drop. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, well, I'm on the edge of my seat. Let me tell you. Let tell. me tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Rhodey moves on and uh, we'll see what he amounts to later in the show. But uh, before that, we have the, well, not the last one, but the next quarterfinal match in the King of the Ring tournament. We got Shawn Michaels versus the Supreme Fighting Machine, Papa Shango Godfather. So, uh, Kama is out there, which by the way, I got heat with Kama. I'm going to explain why, because when I watch these shows, 
I do uh, talk to text. It's just easier. When I say comma into my phone, it just puts a comma. So I have to go and fucking change it. <laughs> it's so obnoxious. Like, <laughs> anyways, commas out here, and uh, he's wearing a gold necklace, a uh, a comedic, a comedically thick and long gold necklace, and it was uh, created because comma melted down Undertaker's urn and made it into a necklace. So um, that's what we got there. Now I know what you're thinking. Well, comma and Undertaker. They have, they have a heated issue going back to WrestleMania. Surely they'll meet up in the King of the Ring because that would just make sense. Well, nope, we're going to go with Savio Vega instead, but we're not there yet. So, um, so Shawn Michaels versus Kama. And um, here, help me understand this moment that happened when Kama came out. So he comes out. And there's these two, I guess, fans of The Undertaker. They have, yeah, go go for it. Explain to me. Oh, they, they were plants here. Like, I, I remember this era quite well. Uh, they, they were those, these, these two plants. I think they were people who worked for the company. You know, much like the start of the show, we had the Stridex blimp flown by mm. Kerwin Selfies, a little inside baseball for uh, wrestling fans at the time. Kerwin Selfies being a former or current producer, writer, or something. Yeah. Which would also give a little bit of nod to uh, Kerwin White, but if it's not, <clears throat> anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not touching that one. Um, yeah, they're, there's, they always had these two plants here because, because the Undertaker's urn was melted down, I guess his powers were diminished or something. So you had support from Creatures of the Night, which I believe one of them, maybe at like SummerSlam or a different show could have been Shane McMahon. Hmm. But this guy, I wound up looking like uh, something from Star Trek, the next generation. But yeah. uh, I, I thought I, I don't watch the show, but I thought the, the one dude was the guy with the pale face from Star Trek. Trekkies help me out here. Don't send me any, <laughs> any hate DMS, please. Uh, it, it was that it was it was the support from the creatures, but also the WWE universe or the crowd is also the creatures of the night. So it's kind of a a one two punch here. I see. I see. Yeah, because they're out there and like they, they they look like extras in The Walking Dead. Like they have the, like, the pit face paint. They're like zombies and they're sitting out there like like with like dead looks in their eyes. So it's like, OK, but it didn't play into the match at all unless I missed it. Um so it's just a weird little moment there. I don't know. I don't know. What I, I guess you kind of explained it, but uh, yeah, Sean's out there and I didn't know. So this is my first time watching the show. I knew what the finals were, but I didn't know what happened leading up to it. So I, I didn't know who won this match, but I could tell just by Sean's mannerisms in the beginning that he was going to lose. Like he was like kind of fucking around in the beginning. Like he was like, you could tell he was like looking into the crowd for like women Like he was like, being very extra like diligent and like looking into the crowd he was like dancing around like more so than he normally does he's like making fun of ted dibiase's hair he's like yeah i could tell it's probably his only match of the night but um that being said it's Shawn michaels and he made this match damn good i mean better than it had any right being i thought at least um i should note that uh these these quarterfinal matches have a 15 minute time limit 
And um, so they're going at it. Sean is, uh, he's recently returned from an injury, quote unquote, after uh, getting power bombed several times by Sid. And uh, he was, it was, it happened on Raw. He got stretchered out. It was a whole thing. So his, they're, they're building this up like his, um, his ribs are still injured. So, um, of course, Kama attacks the ribs throughout the match um, with like Irish whips into the corner, backbreakers, all of that. At one point, he rams Sean into the, uh, the ring post. But because um, most of the matches is Kama just attacking the ribs with different holds and stuff. But at the end, Time's starting to run out. It's like a like a one minute warning or whatever. The pace picks up. Both guys are desperately trying to get the win. Uh, Shawn Michaels ends up hitting a a sunset flip, rolls up comma, but the time expires right before the three counts, so it is a time limit draw. So both guys are eliminated, and uh, after the match, comma tries to attack Shawn after the bell. But uh, ultimately, Sean, it's like a sweet spot where Sean, like baseball slides under Kama's legs, pops up and hits a sweet chin music. Super smooth. Um, but ultimately, nobody wins this match. And both guys are eliminated from the tournament, which means that the winner of, uh, what is it, the winner of Mabel and Undertaker, they immediately go to the finals. So sets up that next match. But as far as this match here, um, what were your thoughts on it? It was a damn good match. I mean, HBK and uh, Kama here, they they put on their working boots here. And uh, HBK, he defeated King Kong Bundy. So you couldn't have the double positive of King King Kong Bundy, you know, <laughs> legend, legend of Polk High School. Shout out if you get that reference. Uh, Smoking Joe Fraser was showing at ringside at the beginning of this match here. And yes. he was about he was about to uh, give the. Monty Burns Award for Excellence and give the definition of excellence here. Of course. Todd's Todd and HBK with their hair on point. Sean's glasses. I mean, those heart-shaped frigging things that everybody <laughs> in my school wanted. Yeah, all, all the little girls in my elementary school wore those. That's for sure. My my cousin who got me into wrestling, uh, I think he had them. He 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 would never never be caught dead wearing them. Shout out to you, Johnny. Um, but it was <laughs> It, it, it was something I guess he collected because he was a bigger, he's a bigger wrestling fan than, yeah. than I am. We're finally putting over the super kick because at this point, Michaels has tried at least three different finishers before he actually stuck on one. He had the, the, he had the backdrop, yeah. the backdrop teardrop suplex. He used the pile driver for a few in like 94. Mm-hmm. And then a, around, maybe around this time, he's finally putting over the super kick. And he's finally turning babyface, which allegedly Vince was dead set against for such a long time. But the coolness and the smarky nature of wrestling was yeah. starting to develop this show, especially in the city that we're in, because we're going to hear a, a familiar chant later in the <laughs> yes. show, because this is when the crowd starts to turn on them just a little bit. But there's one more match. Mm-hmm. And when that match happens, they're they're just sabotaging the whole show. Shawn, Shawn Michaels was their last hope. There was like, okay, we got some shitty people moving on this tournament, but hey, we can at least have HBK in there to have some good matches, but nope. Y'all almost had it. So yeah, after that. <sighs> got Bob Backlund is here. He's not here. He's in the streets of Philadelphia 
I guess this is recorded earlier in the day. Can you go ahead and explain this segment to the people? Well, he is running for president, you know, much is like he... Hulk Hogan ran for president in 98, leading up to his match with Jay Leno. That was a thing. Uh, he's just cut and fairly a new one. Like there was something about Mary and Barry, uh, other crap about American history. I, I don't know. Obviously in, Ca- in Canada here, I don't know. But then he grabs a Philly cheesesteak, this legendary, apparently delicious sandwich that, well, I haven't had the real thing because I've never been to Philly. Apparently you use a little overrated. Let's go throw that apparently, out there. <laughs> you use cheese whiz instead of real cheese. Gross. Hey, <laughs> so he's like, don't knock it till you try it. Okay. <laughs> this cheese, this cheese steak. Oh, the, 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 it's terrible. I'm going to put a big carrot in it. So you get your carotene and your vitamin D. This is what's wrong with America today. Just making America grow. Nope. <laughs> making Darren <laughs> Young. Nope. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Make a Darren Young great again. <laughs> this was glorious. Like I, I love crazy Bob Backlund. This is next level. <laughs> you see, okay. So I look, I was born in 93. Okay. So I obviously didn't live through the peak of Bob Backlund. But when I like look at guys that were big back in the day, you know, your Hogan's, your, uh, your Bruno's, your, all those guys, right? I can be like, you know, I get it. Maybe it isn't fitting with the times of today, but I get how they were big back then. When I see Bob Backlund just fucking around here, he's, he's putting carrots on cheesesteaks. He's doing his step-ups in the locker room. He's molesting Bret Hart with a chicken wing. Like all these things that he's doing. It's like, how is this guy like <laughs> the biggest wrestler in the world for, I mean, he held the, the title for like a couple of years, didn't he? Yeah. He was champion for, I think three or four years. There was a, a swap in there with Antonio Inoki this is when Bob was like the white meat baby faces of white meat baby faces. He was hella over. So seeing him long, a, a long time fan, not, not me because Bob Backlund wore the championship before I was even alive would see this Bob Backlund coming back and like, Oh, friggin' a hell. Right. Bob Backlund's coming back and he's a complete psychopath. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like watching this show, Bob Backlund was the WWF champion like six months ago. For a day, I think, right? It was like a day, but At least three he days. was there. He was the world champion, which is, uh, I mean, that's as transitional as transitional gets, but it's just funny to think about that. That's a, that's a real stat. He was world champion in 1994, but not as uh, outlandish as uh, the person that wins the King of the Ring, I guess. And he is present in this next match, the last quarterfinal match or I guess the semifinal in all reality because of the previous draw, the winner of this match moves on to the finals. We got Undertaker versus <laughs> Mabel. And Mabel comes out, and, and first of all, it's the shiniest fucking jacket I've ever seen in my life. Good Lord. Blinded by that thing. Um, but yeah, it's you're picturing Undertaker and Viscera having a match. It is... You know what? It's a, it's probably a little better than I expected, to be honest. But this is also Mabel's first match, so he's not gassed quite yet, or at least not as gassed as he as he would become. But um, that being said, the match starts, 
and Mabel almost immediately botches a sidewalk slam. And then he, uh, <laughs> he knocks Undertaker through the ropes, but Undertaker's feet get stuck between, was it the first and second rope? This is all within like the first minute of the match. I was like, good God, this is already a mess. But um, they, they fight. They, I don't know if this is supposed to happen or not, but it took him like a minute to get Undertaker's foot stuck or for unstuck from the ropes. But he finally gets out. They start going at it in the ring. Mo, who of course is uh, the man on, man on a mission partner of Mabel, but he's here kind of in a manager capacity. Mo gets on the apron to distract the Undertaker. Um, and this allows Mabel to hit a huge belly-to-belly suplex on the Taker. And then uh, instead of going for a pin, he locks in... I, can, I don't know if it's the worst camel clutch I've ever seen or the most devastating because Taker is prone on his face in the mat. Mabel, who's got to be at least 500 pounds, sits directly on Undertaker's back. This isn't a camel clutch where the guy's like doing a squat and wrenching back. Mabel just sits dead weight on Undertaker's back and just ranks his neck back. Yeah. And also, and you mentioned this earlier, keep in mind, Undertaker doesn't have his urn, so he's less powerful. So a little important factor in this match. But uh, at some point, uh, Mabel gets whipped into the ropes. Undertaker drops down, I guess, trying to back body drop Mabel. But Mabel counters into a pile driver for a two count. And uh, for some reason, watching Mabel hit like a wrestling move like that, it just seems out of place to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I thought Mabel just kind of humped people into submission. But I guess we're not quite there yet. But uh, we get a series of Irish whips. Undertaker ends up getting whipped into the referee, which knocks the referee out. Um, Undertaker hits Mabel with a big clothesline. And then a choke slam, but the ref is out, so he can't make the pin. Um, so with the ref down, this allows Kama to get in the ring, attacks Undertaker from behind with a kick. Just one kick, one kick to the back. Um, then Mabel hits a leg drop, brother, for the win over the Undertaker. So uh yeah. Sh- I'm sure at the time, very shocking, shocking uh victory that Mabel got, who just a month or two ago was just wave your hands in the air like all that shit. And now he's here beating the undertaker on a pay-per-view. So uh crazy stuff, huh? Yes. Uh, I wanted to put something uh, before this match here. We had the Spanish commentary here, Hugo Savinovich, the former heel manager in NWA. You'll see why, if you listen to my show, oh, but yeah. that, that was, that was quite, uh, quite jarring to see Hugo there that early. And then once they saw Ray Rougeau on the French side, I immediately broke out into from Montreal to Memphis, the Rougeau brothers theme song from the Uh. eighties, just a glorious, (laughs) glorious slice of wrestling cheese from back Mm. in the day here. But there's one thing Mabel impressed me in this match with was with that friggin' wheel kick. He did. He just rolls on his shoulders and just, Boys take her right in the face. He would do that throughout his entire career, and it impresses me every time I see it. That's about as impressive as you know, Big Show hitting a, a missile drop kick. That, yeah. that, that is that is something else here. And Mabel, I didn't realize how tall he actually was. He's he's like nose and nose with Taker. He's yeah. like six nine, just outrageously he's a big boy. huge. <laughs> 
And there's one name here that we haven't talked about yet, but there's this young lady that interviewed Mabel on the way to the ring. And that was one Stephanie Wind. Of course. This is a Stephanie Wind appreciation show. So <laughs> I got to give a shout out to her here. Uh, I love that Pettengill like name dropped her at in your house this past year. If anyone, if anyone caught that, that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that was perfect. I love Taker's entrance had that eerie, like chill wind, wind mm-hmm. sound effect from Ocarina of Time. It was, it added so much to, I think, his character, to his theme, to his yeah. lost powers. He has a great mystique at this point in his career. And it, I think it gets even better with uh, with Mankind coming into the picture next year. Oh, yeah. Making Taker vulnerable, which they did a good job of here. M- Mabel straight up sitting on him, just, that that was rude. Like, much like yeah. he did to, D- he did that, to Diesel at SummerSlam and almost broke his spine. How could you not? Uh, Mo, he had shaggy levels of it wasn't me to the referee mm-hmm. being just trying to be as innocent as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. But they caught him on the counter or on the apron. It wasn't me. Ref bump meant shenanigans. And that was the weakest reversed super kick I've ever seen in my life by comma. Oh, it was even I don't even know if I'd call it a super. It was like a. um like Undertaker was on his knees or sitting down and Kama just kicks him in the back, like a kind of like a PK, I guess, but just like a normal one that you'd see like a transitional kick, but it like laid Undertaker out completely. Or a graze even. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we got Mabel moving on to the finals. This, this tournament just gets, keeps getting better. And uh, yeah. And like you said, this is around the time where uh, the crowd was starting to uh, lose interest, I guess. We're not quite at the chant part yet, but uh, rapidly approaching it. Rapidly. And it sets up a comma Undertaker match in the future. I always at the next in your house where that happens. SummerSlam. SummerSlam. God, dragging this out from WrestleMania to SummerSlam for comma. The Supreme Fighting Machine. They'll drag out a Mabel feud, too. Well, because the injury... Everyone talks about, okay, when Taker went, you'll see Taker with a different look later this year. You've probably already seen the, the mask, the mask, the, yeah. the phantom Taker, which was just a perfect look for him. It wasn't the leg drop from some random episode of Raw, but it was a house show. It was an errant clothesline, just mm. caught him right in the face and just broke it in half. Jeez. Was it from Mabel? It was from Mabel. It was it was an errant lariat. Of course it was. Why wouldn't it be? Um, I don't know if that would put Mabel on the Hall of Fame. But speaking of the Hall of Fame. Oh, yes. The next uh, segment here is a, a recap of the Hall of Fame banquet, which I guess occurred. Was it the day before or a few days before or something like that? Yeah, it was it was a day or two before. Yeah, it was when the Hall of Fame was like a a more intimate like uh, it was a banquet. It was like a dinner which I kind of like. What, what did you think about that versus what we have now, which is like in, in stadiums? Well, I like the more intimate setting because I think it makes the speeches better. It doesn't let a fan come and attack someone when you're trying to put your freaking speech on. Yep. And like the, the last one I think that did that may have been when Austin went in, but my, my favorite memory of the Hall of Fame takes place way after this. This is a hell of a class, and I have something to say about one of the 
uh, one of the parts of the show here. Uh, Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. I mean, the man couldn't speak and he was just still cutting everybody up. Yeah. It, it, it was so damn good. It was so heartbreaking too, because he eventually lost the ability to speak. Mm-hmm. And that, that just draws some parallels with uh, over time. That's, you know, my, my father also kind of, he couldn't speak clearly and when, and it's even, even when he passed, it was like that too. So it's just, it yeah. drew a lot of parallels and it reminded me a lot of some stuff, but I love this class. I love Bill Murray. <laughs> what? Nobody asked for Bill Murray riding an elephant to induct George the Animal Steel. That's not why I turned the show on, but it happened. And then he challenges him to a match. Well, well, George Steele worked with Bill Murray on. Um, oh man, that that this movie's going to escape me because George Steele had a movie. It was like in black and white. It was kind of like a Alfred Hitchcocky kind yeah. of thing here. Someone's going to send me a really nasty DM about it because I totally Ed Wood. Mm. There it is. They're they're in. Was it Ed Wood? Yeah. Anyways, B- Bill Murray's he's cutting a promo and. Uh, <laughs> He should challenge the winner of the King of the Ring here because he is cutting one hell of a promo, challenging George Steele to a steel cage match <laughs> or something. My favorite something part of that. is when, because like, uh, Bill Murray's talking, right? He's just talking normal on the elephant. He's like, yeah, sorry, I couldn't be there. I missed my cab or whatever he said. And then he starts cutting the promo and you can hear him like shift into wrestling promo talk. He's like, George Steele, I'll meet you and the steel kit. Like, oh, it's kind of. It was 95, I guess, but watching it today, it's like, geez, cringe. But some people enjoyed it, I suppose. Oh, yeah. The, the rest of the class here was pretty impressive. I mean, you had Big Cat yeah. Ernie Ladd, uh, redacted female wrestler here, <laughs> uh, Polish power <laughs> Ivan Putski, with his son, future WWE star Scott in the background, you'll mm-hmm. notice, George Steele, Pedro Morales was supposed to get... Uh, a spot here, one of the former Intercontinental Champions and Nargo wrestlers in the WWWF. But since he was the Spanish commentator in WCW, uh, Savio took it on his behalf for mm, reasons. Man, uh, did, did they ever? Reasons, yeah, I guess. he's vaguely Latino. Throw him out there. They're the same. I think I think they're both Puerto Rican, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Vince probably didn't care. He probably said, hey, someone speaks Spanish. That'll be good enough. Uh, but let me ask you a question. Are you a uh, are you a big fan of the Grand Wizard? Grand Wizard. That's uh, that's a name I'm familiar with. I can't say Ooh. I'm a fan, but I enjoyed some of his stuff. Uh, big heel manager. <laughs> I hope you're talking about the wrestler and not the uh, <laughs> the leader of the KKK. Oh, shit. That's right. <laughs> I blanked there for a minute. Uh, OK, let's just I was trying to get I was trying to get a soundbite of you saying, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Grand Wizard. <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> Cancel for X. Hashtag. I saw this. I've heard of the Grand Wizard before, but for some reason when I heard it on this show, I was like, wait, that's I don't know which came first. Oh. This is a chicken and the egg scenario, but I don't I don't know if I want that omelet. But um it reminded me of that part in Red Dead 2. Which part? When I stop oh red have you played yes, Red Dead 2 yet? I have, yes. Okay, have you beaten it? The uh the main story, yes. So it's just something I literally stumbled across. I was on horseback going through the fields and uh, I forget outside of Valentine or something like that. And then I'm just like, I hear, I hear some commotion and I see like a bonfire in the distance. I'm like, 
I'm going to hop off my horse. I'm going to sneak in here. I'm like, and I'll look in. It's like, shit, it's a clan meeting. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I just I stood there in the background like, I got a pipe bomb. Hoy it in there and take off. And then, oh, shit. Despite the fact I killed a bunch of fucking racists, I'm still wanted <laughs> for murder. Can't do that. Can't do that in the uh, in the Wild West, I suppose. I guess. <laughs> yeah, don't you get like an opportunity? You can either kill them or like join them or something. I didn't. I didn't even get to a cut scene where they would start talking because I immediately also thought about the Jay and Silent Bob reboot where Chris Jericho plays the plays a Grand Wizard <laughs> and just. Just, just a mess. That, that's a, oh, that was a good, that was a good one. So Savio and Rhodey. So this is a, uh, what quarterfinal? Quarterfinal match. Um, is it quarterfinal or semifinal? No, semifinal, semifinal. Right? Yeah, I totally didn't even put that in my notes. I forgot about it, but it is what it is. Um, so Savio, this is what his third match of the show, um, facing off against Rhodey, and. Uh, I think it's at this point in the show, the crowd's looking at the people in the ring. Is like, why? We could have had Owen Hart versus Shawn Michaels. We could have had British Bulldog versus The Undertaker. But nope. Got Savio and Rhodey. Jeff Jarrett's out there. So Jarrett's on the apron. Rhodey goes to hit Savio. Savio evades. Rhodey stops himself to not hit Jarrett, but uh, gets rolled up. And uh, Savio gets the win, his third win of the night. Um, so yeah, Rhodey has a, is a decent match again, nothing like that. I would like recommend somebody go other way to see, but especially in the context of this show, maybe one of the better matches, but pretty short as well. But, uh, yeah. What'd you think about it? It, it was short and sweet. Again, you have, you have two people here with their working boots on and Savio Vega pulling the Rocky Balboa, but Hey, uh, spoiler alert, Rocky loses in the first one. So why are you portraying Rocky Balboa? You should be doing Rocky versus Thunderlips here. I mean, come on, <laughs> the booking's right there. And this is where I note that the road dog name has been his first kind of dropped at this point, which started giving uh, creative, I think a little bit of, huh? Mm-hmm. I wonder what would happen if uh, Jeff Jarrett and Rhodey spent their days working hard on the go. <laughs> Do you oh, think that's how that man. came up? Just organically popped up in their in their minds. Oh, I think so. I mean, you're you're almost there. Eh? Oh, oh, that concert! Wow, that's you're gonna enjoy that. But I someone, he, I forget who it was, but I think Rhodey hits the worst neck breaker this side of the honkometer in this match. It was just so sloppy. Yeah, he's 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 he's, he's learning. He's he's relatively new to the game at this point. He, he's learning here. We had Rhodey with the flying nothing. Afterwards, he. Afterwards here, this is where a line that we talked about earlier, Doc Hendricks. Uh-huh. Translating Spanish for Savio. Now, I took one Spanish class in high school after taking a French class. Very similar verbiage in both these languages. Yeah. So I can't beat Mabel. I'm going to quit stealing hubcaps. <laughs> Do you think that's what Savio said? Uh, I, th- I think he said... Uh, make Darren Young great again. Oh, okay. You see, you would know more than I. You're more fluent in that language than I am. So, no, nine years of taking French in school, and I still don't know a damn thing. <laughs> yeah, we we have to take French up here in Ontario. It's not fun. You'll just you're not born knowing French. I thought that's how it worked in Canada. No, it works like that in Quebec, uh, but not in Ontario. 
as soon as you hit Quebec, you get all of the signs are in French first. Like you, you, you go to a Loblaw store in Toronto, you'll get the can of Campbell's soup with the English first, mm-hmm. not in Montreal. Now that, and, and don't walk around, if you're a Maple Leafs fan, like I am, don't walk around the city of Montreal with the Leafs jersey from one end of the city to the other. Don't ask me why I know this. <laughs> we, we, right? Right. How about a neck? More like. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Savio moves on to the finals, sets up a big match to uh, get the crowd nice and hot. We got Mabel versus Savio later in the show. But uh, before that, kiss my foot match, Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler. And uh, man, so this is uh, probably the most built up match on the show. When I say built up, I mean, on raw, you have Jerry Lawler on commentary with like a fake foot and it has like purple toes. And he's like, Oh, look how smelly this foot is. That's how my foot's going to be smelling. Uh, then this, then this kiss my foot match It's going to be very smelly that Jerry Lawler. He's just the hijinks never stops with him. Um, but, uh, it's a Bret Hart match after all. So it's going to be at least good. And it was, it was good for what it was. Um, my main takeaway here is Brett's selling is like on a completely different level. I mean, there was just like a, uh, like a run of the mill, like Lawler had Brett by the head in the ring and did the whole thing where he like rams his head into the turnbuckle, but Brett goes head for, I don't know if he caught this. It, it like went through the, the turnbuckle pad, almost ripped it off with how much he like bashed his head into it. I thought, I mean, it's selling throughout the whole match was great, but yeah, match continues on King hits a uh, pile driver the classic Memphis pile driver um, doesn't go for the pin hits a second one. Then finally pins Brett, but Brett kicks out. Um, but some point in this match, well, first of all, so Lawler takes his boot off exposing his uh, smelly feet or smelly foot. Again, toes sticking out of the sock talks, all socks, all gray and purple and, so Lawler takes his boot off and hits Brett in the face, which I ask, why not just kick him? Right? Is, it, is my physics off or would it just hurt more if he just kicked him? <laughs> but he's more effective. He's the pro wrestler here. Um, it's at this point where Hot Coochie and Shinja come out and uh, who are like the hired assassins of Jerry Lawler at this point. So they try to come out to help King um but shinja accidentally hits king and brett capitalizes and uh locks in the sharpshooter jerry lawler taps out so jerry lawler loses brett hart wins and uh now jerry lawler has to kiss the foot of brett hart oh how dastardly um but he's not gonna he's not gonna do it willingly so uh you know hakushi Shinja, they try to uh, attack Brett after the bell, but Hakushi springboards off the off the top rope and accidentally hits King. So these guys are the, the worst backup ever because they're just kicking the shit out of King. <laughs> but um, so that knocks King out, and this allows Brett to uh, beat up on King a little more, knocks him out, and takes his boot off, takes his sock off, and forces Lawler to like deep throat his foot. I mean, they 
they went after it. This wasn't a peck on the toe. This his half is half his damn foot was in Lawler's mouth, which had to be uh, not the best. But uh, yeah, agony of defeat is how I'd uh, describe this. Oh, yeah, that was better than my foot and mouth disease. Pun. <laughs> well, I got I stole it from Doc Hendricks, who who mentioned it after uh, the match. I had to. Uh, recap the magic that is doc hendrix on the commentary but yeah agony of defeat what are your thoughts i may or may not have been drinking during this match, I don't blame so you. i i i didn't catch it and i just wrote down dear god brett save this effing pay-per-view <laughs> crowd was hot for him <laughs> king king use it and yeah brett, brett can do that in his sleep that turnbuckle bump brett does that in everything just goes in like chest first and he, he did a bump like that to the outside of the ring against, I think, Dino Bravo, and he broke his sternum and continued the match. Oof. And you saw, if you've seen Wrestling with Shadows, he talks about that with his son. Just absolutely rough. Uh, they, the commentators here, treat this match as if Brett's career is over if he loses. Of course. Because it would be just like the defeat <laughs> would, would, would be... <laughs> would be so humiliating that he would go into hiding and just go in a cave in North Vancouver and just live in there for the yeah, rest well, of his life. I don't life. know if you caught this, but King's feet are very smelly. So, Oh, very smelly indeed. Hakushi and Shimja here, they're, they're the worst bumbling sidekicks <laughs> than Balkan. Then they're the Balkan skull of this match. Yeah. I was just, uh, we just do the bum, 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 nah, 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 just when they're bumbling throughout this whole thing. Yep. Akushi turns face after this, and I think as a result of this, because he would be associated with like one, two, three kid Bob Holly as we go on throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Brett hitting his four moves of doom, you know, the, the Brett's rope elbow drop, shout out OSW review, and then the foot part to give Jerry Lawler credit. For him to be able to kiss his own foot, well, yes, forcibly, that's th- that earns all my respect because I have a fused spine, right? I had scoliosis, so I got metal up in there. I can't touch my own damn toes, <laughs> but it's it's also it's always impressive when I when I see that, and I'm glad this that this is the only kiss my foot match in history. Is it? That was the joke. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Michael Cole. Michael Cole. <laughs> I was Michael like, I Cole. knew. I, I didn't know who it was, but I was like, wait a minute. Is he? he he's he's joshing, isn't he? Yeah. I, I I blocked Michael heel Michael Cole from my memory, so I'm glad that that was the only kiss my foot match. Right. Yeah. Time. Of course, it never happened again. Never happened again. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I was I was super impressed when King. Because I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. After. Brett makes King kiss his foot. Brett gets down and like pretzels Jerry Lawler and his own foot in his own mouth, which I was like, I didn't think he was that flexible, but props, props to King here. Flexible little boy. Um, but yeah, so Brett wins. So now his career is not over in the, uh, the words of the commentator it's in the off to the races. But um, yeah, so we got uh, after that, got the finals. Of the King of the Ring tournament, Mabel versus Savio Vega. Again, 
We had Shawn Michaels. We had Luger, Bulldog, Owen Hart, Undertaker, Mantar. But nope, the two we select, or no, the two that make it to the finals are Mabel, are, are, are the man on a mission, and the random Puerto Rican that just debuted a month ago. So, and I get what they're going for. You kind of brought it up earlier. I don't know if you caught this, but they're in Philly, right? And there's this movie called Rocky that happened. I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught it. That that precise one. So it's it's like what a Rocky story or something, right? Adrian. I would have yeah. I would have preferred Adrian out here. She couldn't she couldn't have made it worse. So this is the point. So we got Mabel. So just try to put yourself in the perspective of of a wrestling fan going to see a show in 1995. Like oh, I want to go see like the people I just named. You're out here. And, and the marquee match is a tag team guy who can barely move at this point because he's had a match and he's gassed versus Quang. Fucking Quang. And like I said, I get what they're going for. Have Savio. He's like a, I guess like a working class type of guy. He's out there in jeans and a tank top. He's not ripped by any means not in comparison to the other wrestlers he looks like a normal guy but um he looks like a guy that just hopped the barricade and is wrestling pretty much and he's facing off against mabel who probably outweighs him by at least two or three times and uh not only that but savio at this point this is savio's fourth match this is only mabel's second match so that's another layer of the the hill that Savio has to climb, like literally. So really stacking the deck against Savio here. And I get there in Philly, Rocky story, underdog, Kenny overcome. I get it. But like, why is Savio? Like, actually, I'll ask you this. Because Savio's ultimately he's there because Razor went down with injury. Do you think had Razor not gone down with injury that Razor would have just taken Savio's spot in this whole thing? Absolutely. I, I still think Mabel would have won, but like 94, Razor would have went to the finals and ultimately lose to the uh, to the winner. Ray, Razor's injuries were legit because just, just before this event, him and Jeff Jarrett traded the Intercontinental title back and forth in separate ladder matches in Quebec mm-hmm. house shows. And Razor won it one night and then Jeff Jarrett just like, Yoink won it back the next night, but it was those matches that legit messed up Razor's ribs. Yeah. So Razor, I think, would have he could have won, but again, again, no offense to Xavier Woods, my one of my favorite King of the Ring winners, other than Owen and Brett. The King gimmick, I think, is better suited to a heel. Yeah. B- better suited to like, well, except for like, you know, Sheamus didn't really run with it, although that crown he wore was absolutely amazing. William Regals was kind of cut off because of uh, yeah. wellness policy. That 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 was a damn shame because his gimmick, because he's actually British, it would have worked so well. Yeah, what could have been? <sighs> Razor, King Razor, like you don't really do much with the King gimmick at this point in time. Like you get a crown, but you know King, what what's his name? Uh, Antonio King Antonio Montana. With a big pile of cocaine mm. and a crown. Actually, that's a pretty cool visual. I could see that. I could see that. But um, 
Yeah, when it, with the king gimmick, you can either go one of two ways, in my opinion, for it to be successful. You either do option one, which is go all in with it, like make it ridiculous, a.k.a. King Booker, who I think is only, really, in my opinion, the only guy that's made that work. Because if you half-ass it, a.k.a. King Corbin, who just like would come out with a crown and a cape, he's like, oh, I'm the king, but he then would just talk like he normally does. Barrett. Wade Barrett, Seamus, uh, even like Owen Hart. He didn't really run with it either. He's kind of, but he did the whole King of Hearts thing, which is kind of cool, I guess. And but the King of the Ring tournament also serves, at least at this point, it served as a, a way because the winner gets a, I don't know if it's like a formal thing, but the winner would get a uh, title shot at SummerSlam. Owen Hart did not quite. Well, Owen Hart did last it, it, year and Mabel did this year. So I don't know if it may not be like, you know, exactly, but at least at this era, that's kind of, it seemed like that's what they wanted. It was a, it was kind of a coincidental thing. Like they'd never really mentioned that. Oh yeah. The winner's going to get a title shot at SummerSlam. Ah. And I'll look at the other future winners. Let's see who, who got a title shot at SummerSlam 96 stone cold was in the free for all with Yokozuna mm. 97 triple H had a banger of a cage match with Mick Foley. 98 Ken Shamrock was Ken Shamrock even at SummerSlam 98. I don't think he was. Uh, Billy Gunn didn't happen, so let's just scratch that out of out of existence. <laughs> Kurt Angle was in the title. Okay, Kurt Angle got a title match at SummerSlam. Edge got the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam. Then and then at 2002, the last proper King of the Ring pay per view, it was like, okay, now Brock's getting a title shot That's at SummerSlam. So it's a good percentage. And if it's not always a title shot at SummerSlam, it's always like, okay, we're gonna do something with this guy, and. Not in every case did it pan out, but there was a good period of time where the King of the Ring was a big deal. And like I said, last year, Owen Hart won it and it was in the world title picture and Mabel, same thing. I, I have full, I fully believe that they wanted Mabel to be in the world title picture after this show. Um, they wanted to be champion. Well, what could have been? Big Daddy V as, as WWF champion. Could have been good. As the first black champion, Mabel. Ooh, yeah, I guess, right? WWF champion, at least. Um, but, uh, yeah. So Mabel versus Savio Vega, not one solitary person in that arena gave a flying fuck about this match. It was ECW. silent until that ECW chant, which uh, caught me off guard. Like I, I'd never seen this match, but I was like, Oh shit. That is a, uh, that's a thing. And it was loud. It wasn't a smattering of people. It was probably one of the biggest chants of the night. Um, Vince acknowledged it too. Like, oh, listen to this. But then you see long hair, glasses guy. You see the ECW crowd that you've been seeing mm-hmm. in your shows. With like, I think you just had HC Loke on that. Awesome, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you see your ECW faithful. You don't you don't see friggin' who who is that guy that just had his documentary canceled? Vlad. By the way, why the shit would you cancel that? That was awesome. Couldn't tell you. <sighs> but you you saw recognizable faces, and then you're like, oh no, they're just gonna sabotage the shit out of this. <laughs> and they do. Is yeah. I mean, like I said, Maple at this point, he's he's dripping. He locks in this bear hug onto Savio, which look, you have you have uh, Mabel, like you said, he's six nine or something. Savio Vega can't be over six foot tall, maybe at six feet at the most. You would think Mabel would pick him up for the bear hug, 
But what does he do? He bends over at the hips, not even like a kraut, not even like a squat. He he unathletically just and just holds him. Savio has to sell this. So Savio's standing there like a zombie trying to sell this shitty ass bear hug. And he locks in a headlock. It's kind of a similar deal. Crowd is not having this. They're not they're not really booing. They're not like outside of the ECW chant. They're they're they aren't like sabotaging the match per se. They're just not interested. Um but how could you be? But <laughs> so Razor but Razor's out there with Savio. Maybe the, the the saving grace perhaps. Uh Razor's out there. He's like pounding on the mat, trying to, you know, clapping, trying to get the crowd into it. And uh I forget if it's Doc or Vince on commentary, but they say Razor's trying to get the crowd into. It. I mean, uh, well, well, they're already into it, but they're you know they're they're sad because Savio's getting beat up. <laughs> it's like they like acknowledge that nobody cares about this, which is funny. Um, Savio hits his uh his heel kick, which is kind of at this point established as as his finisher. Um, crowd kind of wakes up for it for the two count. Savio almost gets the win here, um, but uh. You know, Savio, like I said, this is, this is his fourth match, so he can't really capitalize on the move. So it takes him a while to pin and all that. But uh, the Mabel just hits the world's strongest slam, followed by a splash, and gets to one, two, three. So King Mabel is here, folks. King Mabel. Oh, boy. Thoughts? Okay, so... I had a childhood obsession with Mabel Oh boy! because I was a casual fan. I was watching superstars the odd time and I thought men on a mission were pretty cool. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed them. And then when they kicked Oscar out of the group, I'm like, okay, a I'm 10, 11 years old at this point. So I'm conditioned to boo who the TV says. Yeah. I even booed Bret Hart when he was anti-American. Don't at me. Um, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's the thing, as the TV said, and I was a huge Mark, and I was like 13, 12 years old. A huge Canadian Mark, right? Right? Yeah, but I did like when he ripped the States when he was in Canada calling it a toilet bowl. That was fun. That's fair. Yeah, and it's like he'd put the bowl where the turds go in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, (laughs) okay, I I, I, I get it. So (laughs) Mabel here, like when he turned heel, he was my my go-to target for me playing either fake wrestling with the pillows or fake wrestling with my Legos because I used to build steel cage matches out mm. of Lego. Hell yeah. I, I used to love doing that. And I'm like, okay, it's Fretz versus King Mabel here. I'm this 200-pound soaking wet cruiserweight giving him the power bomb. <laughs> yeah. Just, You're strong. Yeah. Powerhouse. W- weird kid. W- weird kid I was. But I, I'll give this part here credit because he had Savio being resilient and Mabel didn't really have a bona fide finisher at this point. He was either using the Uranagi or the world's strongest slam mm-hmm. or the second rope assisted splash with, with Mo, mm-hmm. but he got Savio kicking out of two devastating moves that Mabel used as finishers kicks out of the strong slam. Then, then Mabel's like, nah, Sadia pal, you're done splash for the win. But yeah, I, I put the hate on for Mabel. I've always had a soft spot for him after this, especially as the world's largest love machine, because yeah. that was just glorious. Him and Lillian Garcia. 
Yeah. I've always loved his pro- like Mabel, Viscera, Big Daddy Vita. I just, I've always been drawn to him for whatever reason. Even at this point, like I were kind of dogging it a little bit, but like heel Mabel was kind of a cool, he had a cool presence about him. I don't, it was like the music, Mo with him, I thought really enhanced the act. And then you obviously have this big giant mountain of a man, Mabel, with the blonde mohawk. I thought it was kind of a cool presentation. Maybe an execution not, didn't match up. But honestly, you know, it's a new generation after all. And uh, I don't really blame him trying something. Because Mabel, you look at him, he's this big, big bastard. He made the new Yokozuna, I guess. Um, like a, 150 pounds lighter than Yokozuna. So hey, let's, let's try this guy out. He's pretty charismatic, too. He speaks English, unlike... Well, I guess Yoko does, but his character doesn't. Um, so I, I don't necessarily blame him with going with Mabel here. But yeah, it's just, like I said, the execution of it uh, probably wasn't what they wanted, to say the least. And they could have put him against a baby face that was a little bit more over because to the new generation crowd, Savio was a brand new face. But if you're a bit more smarky, you would know, oh, that's just Quang without his mask. Yeah. It's not, which is, well, it's not like Quang was over either. So it's like, <laughs> no, Quang was barely on action zone, let alone, let alone superstars and raw, yeah. but the martial artist. Hence, oh, with karate fighters. Oh, just wait till you get there. Karate fighters presents. <laughs> I love those. I want to find those things now. They were freaking awesome. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, but man, just the core. This was the we're going into. I'm going into the coronation here. Uh, this was the longest, worst, Dude. most drawn out coronation why did ever. He, why was? Why did it last so long? <laughs> Padding for time. Even Mabel sitting on the throne, and Moe's just going on like, "Here ye." Padding for ye. time. We just watched Mabel hug Savio Vega for 20 minutes. How much more time do you need? Uh, enough time to co- coronate uh, 72 kings because Mo goes on here for like 37 minutes. 37? Just absolute, absolute. I, I fast forward it. I, I got sick of it. I don't know. Oh, what no, the I hell sat in it. I, I, I marinated in this bullshit. <laughs> you got Mabel. So, yeah, obviously, Mabel, he gets the robe. He, uh, it's not a scepter, it's a sword, which is fine i guess awesome um terrifying watching that mountain of a man hold up this huge is bigger than drew mcintyre's sword but um and then he sits in the throne and then you have mo unrolls the scroll and i'm like the longest scroll all time. and i'm like oh that's a fu- it's it's comedically big i get it it's funny but no it's quite literally just a <laughs> it's full of words apparently because mo is drawn it on for you know like you said the hear ye hear ye like for oh god and then he, he keeps going i don't even know what he said but it was kind of just king stuff a lot a lot a lot a lot bow down to your king mabel and um so yeah it was uh probably good on paper <laughs> again but uh yeah you could have it up on a paper bit. that got thrown at Mabel. Yeah, people are throwing Just shit at him. Some at, I'm quoting OSW for the second appearance in a row. <laughs> some accurate cunt 
just <laughs> walloped him right in the face. Clocks him. I think I said. I think I sent you that gift. Just, just plows him. Oh, that's so mean. Don't do that at wrestling shows, people. Like, I know it's heat. I mean, you'll get there with the NWO era. Mm-hmm. That's just like a, I'm a former janitor. And seeing that ring after an NWO segment <laughs> triggers me. That's such a funny, like, <laughs> you just get bothered when you see trash on the floor wherever you go. What a life. I see, I see I'm bothered by it. I see trash on the floor, like, okay, I, I missed the garbage with my Kleenex just now. I'm like, fuck, it's all the way over there. It's bothering <laughs> me. sweating bullets. Um, but yeah, so Mabel's your king. Everybody's happy. Um, and Mo was knighted as, as a sir. Sir Mo. Sir Mo. Sir Mo. Um, but yeah, getting thrown trash out of, I guess, in, in the moment, it's probably a, a good thing because you're like, hey, I got heat, brother. But, you know. That's turned the that, that's worse than X Pac heat. That's like that, that's changed the channel heat. And this whole time they're all still chanting EC dub. Yeah. During this coronation or chanting like EC dub, Philly cheesesteak, or or whatever you, you do in Philly. Shout is out Scott Rand. That's what they do in Philly. <laughs> they just chant for Philly cheesesteaks. I, I imagine so, because you go to like MJF's homecoming at yeah. like Dynamite last night at the time we're recording this which was just glorious. You'll, you'll chant anything in Long Island, even anything inappropriate. Mm. <laughs> uh, then after that, we got more Jerry Lawler. Cause I know, I know, I know you're like, Hey, I know that King of the ring, that, that whole debacle was pretty awful, but maybe Jerry Lawler can save the show. And so he's back uh, vomiting into a sink in the bathroom of the arena, a, a, a comedic amount of uh, vomit just just exploding out of his mouth he's got uh floss he's got mouthwash he's got toothpaste which so lawler because remember folks he just kissed bret hart's feet which apparently and his own and his own which both are very smelly isn't aren't we having fun so lawler is back there trying to get the taste out of his mouth he uh, chugs like half a bottle of listerine and it takes the toothpaste and just like bukkakis himself with it. Like oh, that's so much, <laughs> so much toothpaste. Like it can't, how, how bad could your mouth taste like where you need that much toothpaste? Uh, after getting uh, garlic Parmesan wings on a, on a date. Yeah. Don't ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> what a poor decision on your part. But uh, so we have, so what a sequence of events. So we have Mabel winning King of the Ring. We have Jerry Lawler puking in a bathroom. Now we have well, we have what everybody paid to see is a Sid promo. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, he's he's I'm the master of disaster. Oh, Diesel. I'm gonna fuck your mouth or whatever he said. Um, but anyways, I power bombed you on your elbow. It goes crash, crash, snap, snap. (laughs) Oh, 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 crap. It's like, let's just stay and move me to a bigger house. Uh oh, I said the loud part, quiet, the quiet part about it. (laughs) I could watch Sid just talk all day, all day. That's what this show should have been. It should have been two and a half hours of Sid talking. 
pay for that. I, I would pay for that on Cameo, no, <laughs> ma- no matter the cost. Sid is the namesake of my then cat. That's how much I loved Sid in the day. Yeah. Even going back to Sid Justice. Mm, were you more of a Sid Justice or a Psycho Sid? Oh, Psycho Sid, 100%. I mean, hitting Jose Lothario with a camera, mm. powerbombing Shawn Michaels, powerbombing Jose Lothario's kid through a bench. Love <laughs> it. Having half the brain that Kevin Nash does, the mm. Millennium Man, the yes. streak he went on. He's just, his gold throughout his entire career. Um, but... He's back there, and of course, he's a part of the Million Dollar Corporation. So Tatanka and uh, Ted DiBiase are back there with him, basically just building up to the main event here. And uh, but one one thing I did note: so at In Your House One, the previous pay per view was Mother's Day, and Kevin Nash's mother died like a few days before. And he referenced it on the show because uh, it's Mother's Day, and everybody's like wishing their mothers well and stuff. So this is like a month after Diesel's mother passed away. And <laughs> Sid, he's like, uh, uh, well, I forget exactly how he worded it, but he was like, oh, I know when you were a child, you, you, you hugged your mother for comfort. Who are you going to hug now? Bam, bam, Bigelow. <laughs> That's my best Sid impression. I don't know. I don't know if that enhanced it or not, but it was a rough one. But He's a heel, so fuck him, I guess. Um, so that brings us to the main event. It's a tag team match. It's not for a title. It's not for any kind of stakes, but uh, it's Sid and Tatanka versus Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow. So I, I only had one note for this match because nothing happened. My one note, here it is. Bam Bam shoots fire out of his hands. That's pretty cool. What else you got? Uh, Bam Bam almost James Hetfield's himself with that pyro. <laughs> yeah, what? Didn't he like point it down at some point? I don't know, but he he almost got like engulfed like James Hetfield did in that one concert or like Undertaker when he was walking yes. through the pyro to get to what an elimination chamber and had second degree burns. Didn't his like jacket like, catch on fire or something? Yeah. His, his jacket catches on fire. It melts and it just holy crap. And okay. Bam Bam's jacket here. It's pretty cool. It's like fire, right? It was, it's like fire because he used to say, I'm going to set you on fire. All right. And if you play the WrestleMania arcade game, at this point in time. That was my first Latest. ever video game. Fun fact. Nice. It was a great, it was a great one. Bam, bam, it's Bigelow. One. Versus Bam, Bam, Bigelow and Bam, Bam, Bigelow. Yes. <laughs> I'm gutted that uh, there was apparently mocaps captured for Adam Bomb, and he was supposed to be in that game, but by then he was out. Would have been cool, but yeah, going for the Intercontinental title in a Mortal Kombat mirror match. I get it. You're going for the midway Mortal Kombat feel here. Mm-hmm. Damn good game, but the, the combos were atrocious. Never caught that one. And at a time in a time where I didn't have the internet, I couldn't figure out how to do a damn thing. I just press buttons. Figure it out. But this match was was nothing. Um I had the the headbutt on Sid, the ref being distracted, Sid hitting a really nice super choke slam and the selling point of this match was Diesel's elbow. Mm-hmm. 
being a crush, crush, snapped, snapped by a power bomb by Don't Call Me Psycho Sid, despite the fact he was coming out to the psycho wee, wee theme. <laughs> but he's not a psycho. That was, that was actually one part of the match I did like was when they were fighting on the outside and the crowd was chanting psycho at him and Sid was like, like entranced by like, don't call me psycho. Like that was a little character part of it that I did like about it. And then he eventually embraced it like when he returned, but you had Diesel who is selling an injured elbow, by the way, I'm not giving the Roman Reigns fisting thing here, <laughs> but um, he used an elbow drop to finish this match and he has a hurt elbow. I don't know if it was his good one, but why? Sid walks out of this match because I guess softball season's starting up and he's just like, mm, that's probably just, it. Just, just plugging away. And we don't see, no, Sid's still on the show. He might be on Raw and Action Zone, but I don't think he's on pay-per-view until at least Survivor Series at this point. Maybe in your house. Yeah, but he, sure. he just he, he, he walks out and then just a, a casual elbow drop on Tatanka. Wins this main event match. No jackknife. Well, no flying headbutt. It was so what happened? So Diesel did give the jackknife to Tatanka, but like a minute or two went by before he hit the because so what happens is Diesel hits the jackknife on Tatanka. He goes to pin him, but then Diesel pulls him up to stop the pin because he wants Diesel or he wants Sid. So he he waves like, hey Sid, hey but hey buddy, why don't you come on in, in into this here ring? But Sid says, fuck that. And he gets off the apron and then walks out on Tatanka. And um, Diesel's looking at him. He's like, well, I guess you're gone. I might as well win this here pay-per-view main event. Like you said, just drops a, uh, a not people's elbow onto uh, Tatanka, who was still laid out from the jackknife. Um, that gives him the win. So, but yeah, I agree. Definitely a weird, uh, <laughs> weird finish to it. It was like a Survivor Series match where you get like uh, one guy winning with the sidewalk slam and the next guy winning with like a, a walking splash. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it was a very anticlimactic finish to a otherwise anticlimactic show, but we're building towards Sid versus Diesel again. They have another match at Yay. In Your House too. Uh, just wait till you get to that one. Oh, oh can't wait. Which, which elbow do you think was better? Diesel's in this match? Or uh, Mabel's timid second rope elbow that he hit in his, uh, I guess it was, it was after the match, right? Onto Razor Ramon. Uh, I'd have to go for a wild card here and say uh, McMahon's version of the people's elbow or something like that. <laughs> well, that wasn't on this show, damn it. But they were both trash, so none of them win. But so yeah, Diesel, Bam Bam, they win. And uh, lots of pyro. Sending the crowd home whelmed, not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed, but not nah, probably underwhelmed actually, but uh, pissed. <laughs> that, yeah, that um, that's how the show ends. So, uh, I guess you know, ending on a semi high note because the crowd did enjoy Diesel, um, they were into the, at least the finish of this match, but um, yeah, the tournament was just full of jobbers. Uh, no world title match, no intercontinental title match, no tag title match. You have uh, four Savio Vega matches. Like there was a lot of uh, down, a lot of thumbs downs 
on this show. But overall, I guess, uh, what were your thoughts on King of the Ring 95? Let me direct you towards Titan Sinking by James Dixon. (laughs) It's a great, great. There's a trilogy here, a whole trilogy. One of them is even penned by Cultaholics Justin Henry. Shout out to them as well. And this is also a bit of Meltzer talking here. To the surprise of no one, King of the Ring was panned mercilessly by fans and critics alike. Most concurred that it was the worst pay-per-view that the group had ever presented. Meltzer says that it was so bad, one can only speculate on how those booking the show in the first place thought they'd be able to pull it off. Because it's not like they were put in a position that they had to have a shitty show, right? Because you had, you know, Razor Ramon went down with the injury. Okay, I get it. Yeah, it probably would have been better with him instead of uh, uh, Savio Vega. But at that point, it's like, okay, maybe we just pivot and maybe, uh, I don't know, who else is in this tournament? Maybe Undertaker makes a run. Maybe we do, uh, maybe Kama or Shawn Michaels. There are so many different options that they could have gone with. But, you know, we said, I know what they were going for, the underdog rocky but um yeah didn't pan out well didn't pan out well we met, we mentioned mabel we could have had potential but didn't so yeah it's just they might have had a plan but uh yeah hey, at least brett hart was here right yeah brett brett kind of saved the the pay-per-view although it was a really silly match you get Bret Hart in the ring with like a broom or a blow up doll. You you won't have a bad time because he'll make he'll make them both look like stars. This show, yeah, and I feel like this show probably set the tone for the rest of this year in '97 because who were the two guys that stole the show? Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, and those two would be I don't know exactly what point, but they're going to be main eventers facing off against each other. We all know their rivalry, so um, Undertaker involved in that, yeah. So, and then, you know, we're not too far off from like Mankind and Stone Cold, Rocky Maivia. I think most of that happens before the end of the year, right? Or is that next? Is that 96? Steve Austin debuts, I think, literally on like New Year's Eve or New Year's Day 96. Oh, that's right. And Rock is Survivor Series 96, right? Yeah. Yeah. He would have been in developmental, maybe in Memphis, whatever the developmental program was in 95. Uh, but that, but we would still see, you know, like Fantasio would disappear and re and uh, have one match and disappear. Man Mountain Rock was there. Ironically enough, I just watched a Man Mountain Man Rock match Mountain from WCW Rock. last That's night. That's one of those guys that I went my whole life not ever hearing of this guy, and then I'm rewatching all this stuff. I was like, who the hell is Man Mountain Rock? But he's in WCW. What was his WCW name? Um, Max Max Payne. Payne. That's right. Same gimmick. Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. But, um, but yeah, man, that's all I got on this show. Uh, once again, thank you for making the time to uh, slag through King of the Ring <laughs> and uh, talk about this dumpster fire of a show. But what is not a dumpster fire is the Fretzelmania podcast. Uh, where can everybody find you and listen to you? You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. I'm on Wrestle Addict Radio. We're just a, a small network of shows right now. I think we only have we only have three three shows right now. But our fourth show is a guy that just just left Mance. Big old shout out to Mance Chapel of the Delight Show. 
his stuff is still on our network feed because he's 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 one of us. I mean, I mean war war forever. Uh, every Friday on Russell Attic Radio, I'm reviewing some retro stuff. I just finished the invasion angle and thank the good lord above that was a slog yeah especially especially near the end it 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 just got really ridiculous i took a few weeks off uh in between the the doldrums of the invasion because unfortunately my father passed and i couldn't i didn't want to do anything for that so after i finished that off i've been reviewing some old wcw call it a an epilogue if you will mm-hmm. i dropped starcade 83 last week by the time you hear this i would have already dropped chai town rumble 89 stab savage versus steamboat Ooh, wee. It, very good very good pay-per-view very good match and the week after is a great slice of 90s cheese with once again my favorite sid beach blast 93 the Masters of the Powerbomb, Vader and Sid versus Sting and the British Bulldog. And the buildup to this gives, um, what's that? Thunder in Paradise. That's right. The one for its money. Oh. <laughs> I still haven't caught it, that, and I don't think I ever will. But and in the new year, I just have to mention, I'm starting the Ruthless Aggression era timeline. Nice. So I'll be doing, Smack, I'll be doing SmackDown. So a big shout out to... Uh, the RA era podcast and the American variant of the ruthless pod as well yes. as they've gone through their thing. Uh, yeah, WrestleLatic radio is at addict underscore wrestle WrestleLatic radio on Instagram. We have a Patreon five bucks a month. You get a group chat, you get some content. The content's been not much there lately, but we still have some great back catalog stuff. And if you, and if you wish patrons also get 15% off of our merch on spring uh, all the links are in my in my pinned tweet. So if you want a Fretzelmania mug or a sticker or a or a King Ricky Rose, shout out to the the GM of WrestleMania Radio, a King Ricky hoodie. Hell yeah! All that's there. All all of that is there. I don't have any merch within uh, reaching distance of myself. I'd be able to show on YouTube, but yeah, give, give us a give us a follow here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I did. Uh... Wow, I listened to your episode, your ECW invasion episode with uh, Nate. That was a good one. I need to get him back on here if he out of his has time nowadays. But uh, yeah, that was a good one. I'm I'm certain he does. Uh, listen, also I, I have to mention Kings of the Rings podcast, Young Lions Perspective. There are the other shows on our network. Kings of the Rings live streams every Wednesday night at about eight. Mm-hmm on twitch and youtube although last night they were not because they were present at aew oh yeah yeah they they were there for that and i got some some great insight to the to hook and cm punk and mjf are you a hooker damn right i am (laughs) i was gonna that's on my that's on my only fans (laughs) once again thank you to frets from the Fretzelmania podcast for joining me on this uh, plummet downhill. <laughs> Man, what a uh, what a show. Quite the historic show, I guess, if nothing else, to say the least. But um, go check out Fretz on his podcast, the Fretzelmania podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Fretzelmania, Instagram as well. All of his info in the description. Go check him out. He's got a really good podcast over there as well as the other Russell Addict boys. Um, yeah, it's hard to follow uh, 
Hard to follow Bam Bam shooting flames out of his hands and King self-sucking his toes. So, you know, there's really nowhere else to go other than to me for the to just end the episode, I guess, right? So, um, yeah. Do you guys like feet? I like, look, I, I, I'm not a foot fetish guy, right? Me personally. It's not, it's not like my thing. But I could appreciate a, a good... A, a good pair of walkers. I'm not mad at a at a pretty a pretty pair of stompers on a gal, right? Maybe touch them a little bit, give them a, give them a massage. Nothing wrong with that. Suck in between the toes, put your tongue in there. You know, it's just guy stuff. So, um, yeah. So I I get what Jerry Lawler's going for on this show. Um, I mean, I don't want to kiss his feet. Maybe Brett's feet. Um, what do you think Mabel's feet tasted like? I don't know. But anyways, uh, I'll, I'll ponder this offline. I'll let you guys go. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys once again for listening. I love you all. Smooches all around. I'm hard. Yeah. Walk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud, nothing can knock it. Let's get it started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is.